This is a Boathouse Studios podcast. To support this podcast and other podcasts like it, visit patreon.com slash boathouse studios or subscribe to Boathouse Studios on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your ear content. That's Boathouse Studios, B-O-A-T-H-A-U-S Studios, house spelt the German way. You sound like you're ready to become your own boss in the exciting world of frame nudging. Yes, for a minimal franchise fee, you'll receive a pair of straightening gloves, a canister of wall lubricant, and a booklet of the most commonly asked questions you'll hear, including who are you and what are you doing here? Welcome to Two Bad Neighbors. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have got that one. <laughs> Can I tell you what I was thinking? Sure. I was thinking the um, the snack hole monologue. Snack hole. Yeah. I saw you desperately trying to shove another salty snack down America's already overbloated snack hole or whatever he says. Right. Yeah, I thought that's the one you were, you might go with. Or um, I'm afraid I must insist. You see, my wife has been rather adamant about the issue of the pretzel monies. <laughs> Where's the pretzel money? Why haven't you gotten the money? When are you getting the money? Why haven't you got the money now? And so on. <laughs> yeah, both good guesses, but wrong. This Welcome is two, to bad two Bad Neighbors. neighbors. <laughs> this is Two Bad Neighbors. <laughs> My name's Alan. And I'm Greg. Did I interrupt you before you said Welcome to Two Bad Neighbors? No. You, I said it. You said it? Yeah. Okay. And then I stared at you, <sighs> waiting for you to continue. Thank God. As usual. Thank God. Uh... <laughs> My brain is all fried right now. Oh, good. It happens every time we do two episodes <laughs> in a day. Um, it just like... So what we gone. should do is one day we should record five in a day. It'll come back. Yeah. And <laughs> I was going to say maybe get really deeper into the rabbit hole. Well, you know, I already start from such a weird place. Mm. Like, I mean, you heard You're the last guy. one. Yeah. You heard the last one. Like, I went well, on like this weird like tangent and it was like, it uh-huh. was, it was bad. <laughs> I I talked about burning your car down and then sure. I had to take that out of the episode and um, put it on For Patreon. evidence reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You know. To prevent the feds from getting Because it. it still might happen and I don't want anyone to think it was me. <laughs> Even if it was. I clearly don't want anyone to think that. Mm-hmm. So this is going out too. Um, oh, <laughs> this episode's going to be five minutes long. Just doing a lot of work for yourself. A lot, so much, so many notes here. I have like so many notes on my on this Remax thing. Um, it's not Remax. Not it's, Remax at uh, all. Maxwell. It's a Maxwell <laughs> thing, um, and it says it's a it's a it's it's real estate, which is the it's real important estate. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't D- need to. We don't need to. Okay. Let's let's not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm wondering what because this is old. Yeah, yeah. She's she might still be a business though. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it's from. Oh yeah, see Lethbridge. That's what I thought. Realtors. That's how old it is. It's from when I lived in Lethbridge. Retire. Once a salesman, always a salesman, mm. and always be closing, which mm. is what a lot of people in this episode do. Mm-hmm. The twisted world. Glendary Glenn Ross. Yeah, of Marge Simpson, including <laughs> a um, a. a familiar voice from the film yeah we'll get to all that yeah Um, stay tuned we got some mailbag yeah let's go open our mailbag (laughs) sign here (laughs) there's a bird escaping i don't know uh (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we got a message from Samantha. Samantha, yeah. if you recall, was asking you about your favorite Green Day album. I do remember. That was great. And uh, she was uh, happy that you chose 21st Century Breakdown as your favorite. It's more coherent. Hmm? More, more more coherent. Oh, sorry. I literally didn't know what so, words you said. Sorry. I said more coherent. It's more coherent. It's, 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 um, smart coherent. It's smoke, <laughs> smoke in the bandit. Spur <laughs> Reynolds. Um, and then she uh, decided to ask me something. Oh, yeah. You know, because I'm here too. Uh, <laughs> she wanted to ask what my favorite Spider Man comic book arc is. Oh, that's. I want to know that. Um, so a little bit about me is I read a lot of Spider-Man comics when I was a kid, but like, no, I, I wasn't really aware of like arcs as much. And so I would just read a smattering here and there. And so it wasn't until I was older that I started like buying or from the library, taking out the like collections. So that's where I know most of the arcs. Uh, and then just like reading about them once I... You know, once the movies were coming out and stuff, and, and they do pretty darn good adaptations on the yeah. Spider-Man '90s animated series. Yes, of that, a lot of the arcs. True. Yeah, um, but one of my favorites is uh, the uh, Green Goblin, um, Harry becoming the green, the new Green Goblin, right? And uh, kind of freaking Peter out because um, he's like, I thought Norman Osborn was dead, you know, and then like, who could this new Green Goblin be? And uh, and then of course, it turns out it's Harry. Um, Mostly because there's actually a really effective uh, ending to it when, spoilers, Harry dies and Peter uh, is like there while he's dying and he like kind of comes back into his own and he and they like they they clasp hands. Predator. And answer. it's all. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's all uh, without words. Like it's all just images. And like that's one of those things where I'm like, oh, like this is why comic books are cool is that they can do things like that that you can't really do in like novels. Right. Do they adapt that in Spider-Man 3? Kind of, yeah. It's definitely like, they definitely take stuff from that because they have the Harry dying and the, like, the clasping of hands and whatnot. Um, which is also why I've said in Spider-Man 3 I would have liked it way better if Harry was evil the whole time. There's none of that amnesia bullshit. Harry's evil the whole time and then it's not until the very end that he kind of like decides to... You know, he has a Boromir. I've, I think we've talked about it on this podcast before. Yeah. He has a Boromir moment, moment where he's like, oh, fuck, I need to try and redeem myself in these my last moments and i think it would have been way more effective but it's still very effective i still really like that movie um but yeah that's one of my favorites i mean the black suit is a really cool arc as well um i know a lot of people are not big venom fans but i am it's an historical arc it's it's very important to the to the way comics are written mm -hmm. as well yeah so i i really enjoy that whole thing um yeah i don't know there's a lot of I was just like, oh, Spider-Man's just cool. But the new Goblin is probably like, at the moment. It's, it's a high one for me. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if they actually call it the new Goblin. Um, that's just what they call it, him in, because he's, he's the Green Goblin. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but, uh, but I have like, I think, ret actually, Return of the Green Goblin, I think that's what it's actually called, officially, because I have the book of it, and it's, it's very good. Um, anyway... Uh, so also, uh, we get a nice long, what's my story from Samantha, which I very much appreciate. Again, we don't always, uh, can re can't always read, read these, but we air, do, we, but read, we them, read them and we appreciate them. Yep. Um, and, uh, kind of the cribs, crib notes, I guess, uh, she was born in 99 from, uh, Mexico, uh, didn't get to watch the best seasons when they were airing. Usually TV media that needs to be dubbed gets 
to Mexico uh, a year later, so she would see things years after. Right. Um, but she would watch it with her dad all the time. Uh, so, like, uh, as a child, watching it with her dad. Um, <laughs> the kill the alligator and run is one she remembers vividly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And because the uh, the boobs on the window of the car made her uncomfortable. <laughs> Fair so, enough. Uh, if you want to hear us talk about that episode more, subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah, we do. We've we've covered it. It's a bad episode. Um, it it's very bad. <laughs> and uh, she also saw the movie with her dad and felt uncomfortable with the Bart scene. How? Yeah, because it's a little boy's penis. Get a little boy's penis in that movie. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> and she's basically talking about how incredulous she is at why they included that, which I agree. <laughs> it's so weird. Um. And uh, lots of like Lisa and Homer episodes she really likes because because she has a good relationship with her dad and that's nice. Um, started not like the show around twelve, and uh, only watched uh, episodes in syndication. So for a long time, uh, she knew more recent like zombie episodes, Strong Arms of Ma, and Codependence Day, which I don't even know which episodes those are. Um, and then uh, also, oh, I guess there's like dub cast too. That's fun. Because uh, obviously it was in Spanish uh, in Mexico. And so she watched the show until the dub cast changed in season 16, um, which is uh, that's an interesting side of things. Yeah, that we just naturally like we, we don't get. Because yeah, because it's, it's the same cast. It's yeah. always been. And but we've talked about that, too, and how if one of them dies, God forbid, like it's going to be weird yep. if they try to like get a new voice actor. So. Um, yeah, and then she started watching the show in English when she was 18 and became comfortable with the original voices and, uh, don't feel that different from the, the dub, so, um, yeah, that's, uh, Top 10 has six Lisa episodes in it, so, <laughs> so there's that, um, but her favorite episode is Lisa Substitute, followed very closely by You Only Move Twice. Great, great choice for your top, for your top episode. Lisa Substitute is an excellent, excellent episode. Yes, beginning of the golden age, in my opinion. I will have to agree with you. <laughs> um, and then she gave a recommendation for Patreon, I believe, with a modern episode, season 23. It's called The Book Job, and she really likes that episode. So add that to your list of episodes we should cover in the Patreon. Uh, so thanks, Samantha. That was great. Uh, another quick one. Uh, Vincent asked a very quick question. Would we ever do the Simpsons movie as a bonus non-exclusive episode? Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> and then we got uh, we got a nice message from uh, from uh, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Hio Pedro Jorge from Brazil. Cool. Uh, JP, I guess, is how he introduces himself. So I should have just said that. Whoops. Um, <laughs> Uh, 30 years old, and he's from sunny and monkey-infested Brazil. Mm. <laughs> um, so he recommends the episode Blame It on Lisa. Is that the Brazil one? It must be. Because uh, he said he would happily help. The episode was a huge deal. Uh, and even the president at the time complained about how The Simpsons was hurting our tourism. <laughs> so it must be the Brazil episode then. Um, discovered us thanks to the real gyms have listened to our content uh to cope with crowded commutes in sao paulo um simpson is a very important part of his life since he can remember uh discovered pop culture through uh or it's what he discovered pop culture through like we talk about as well like a lot of the references and whatnot in uh the simpsons is what 
was our first exposure to like things like The Godfather or you know Citizen Kane and stuff like that. It's really a perfect entry point yeah. for a lot of um, foundational cinema. Yeah, uh, like cinema that that still influences what is being made today in a lot of ways because a lot of the people who grew up watching the the movies that the Simpsons of the 90s are referencing are now making movies and still making movies um yeah it's it's hard to get away from the from the films of like scorsese and kubrick and mm-hmm. coppola and yeah. of course spielberg yeah and of course lucas right um it's very hard to get away from those the the blockbusters the blockbuster cinema of the time turns into the marvel of our time it's poetic. agreed <laughs> It's poetic. It <laughs> it's rhymes. Very poetic rhymes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, favorite episode is hard to say, but uh, Mother Simpson, Bart the Elephant. Uh, sorry, Bart gets an elephant. <laughs> no, Bart the Elephant. That would be, be a, a great be a episode. Fun episode. Be very Lynchian. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not an animal. <laughs> I'm a human being. Wait, so it's Bart the Elephant Man? Yes. Okay. That's how I interpret it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mother Simpson and Bart gets an elephant are ones he quotes a lot. Uh, part of his daily vocabulary. But he's also a huge fan of Marge vs. Monorail, Only Move Twice, and Horror's Barbershop Quartet. So all classics. Mother Simpson, phenomenal episode. One of those great episodes that, you know, mixes the uh, humor and sentiment in equal parts. And we got our moms on this, on, on the episode that yeah. we did. so it was nice. Uh, season nine. Yeah. So get your, in quotes, Excel sheet ready. Oh, right. Uh <laughs> Uh, it does have some favorites of his, like Lisa the Skeptic and the Joy of Sect, and even the Principal and the Popper, which he finds very funny. Don't care about the in-universe rule break. But it also has some very zombie-ish episodes like King of the Hill and Das Bus. Uh, the great problem with the episodes, and with the show nowadays, in his opinion, is that they are simply not funny. But he would probably say the first part of that season is really good, and the last few episodes are definitive end of the golden era. So, I would have to go with Alan on this one. So, add it to my column. <laughs> Speaking of Alan, <laughs> he's been wanting to send an email for a long time now. He finally decided to do it because of my dad. <laughs> As someone who has watched more Zombie Simpsons than he would like to admit, Arizona has been mentioned in the episode Kill Gil Volume 1 and 2, a Christmas episode where Gil, after living with the Simpsons for a while, gets a job in Scottsdale, Arizona, and hijinks ensue. <laughs> so I guess that's the one that we would get my dad on for, <laughs> if, if ever. It's not going to happen. Uh, keep up the good work. Sorry about his terrible English. You did fine. Uh, I butchered your name, so it's all it's all fine. <laughs> and thank you very much for that message, JP. And uh, sorry about all the monkeys in Brazil. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta handle it some way. And monkeys? Yeah, you gotta <laughs> handle monkeys some way. Monkeys on your back? Yeah. Um, I actually just finished watching the film Alexander, mm-hmm. the ultimate cut. Of course. Three hours and 26 <laughs> minutes. Christ. Um, How was that? It's. Mm, um, you going to cut this out? <laughs> going to no. go on a rant and cut it out? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, I, I, I won't. I'm, I'm not going to say if I liked it or not. Listen to the Cinevals to find out. There you go. Um, but I will say that there is a scene where Alexander's army encounters monkeys for the very first time. And it's the first time the people of Greece and specifically Macedonia encounter monkeys. Cool. And they they, they think they're humans they, because they, like Wait, a lot of them. are they apes or are they monkeys? They're monkeys. They're, they're chimps. Okay. Chimpanzees. 
that like live in the trees and stuff chimpanzee like that. A to chimpanzee. They think they're like they're they're small humans because they walk like humans and they and they live in the trees and they don't um, they they don't see their tails to begin with. And so also remember that people who were living in um, the before time were idiots. <laughs> You got to remember that. I always do. I never forget. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he literally thought he was the son of Zeus. So like, <laughs> mm. dummy. Yeah. He's an idiot. I am the son of Zeus. Yeah. We, we all, all know, know that. We all know Alan is actually. <laughs> uh, um, but it's a fascinating thing. It's a fascinating thing to, to, to see represented in film. The, um, I guess kind of like a pre evolution of, of humans mm-hmm. being like the pre science. Sure. Yeah. Being like, oh yeah, these are they have to discover that monkeys are in fact animals, mm-hmm. not, not humans. Other humans. Not yeah. other humans. Uh, which is very, very interesting to me. And like it's also it's also Hill a, is other humans. It's also a movie that like that that is that deals a lot with um with like typical Western culture that we see perceive per, um represented in uh in a lot of these swords and sandals epics like Spartacus and um Ben Hur and Gladiator. Gladiator. That's probably the best one that I can think of as an example. Um, but this one like really shows you what it meant to see other cultures. Because a lot of the times in these sword and sandals epics, we just see people with shields fighting against other people with shields. But in Alexandria, you see people on horseback fighting people on elephant back. Cool. And you see people from from the Middle East. You see people from from central asia and you see people from the lower indian continent um all fighting all all fighting but also all like accepting this new empire coming into their land and then turning around and they go home right Hmm. it's a very interesting piece of history the would you say it's much like the middle east culture of pitas invading Western culture of pretzels. <laughs> you know, I would actually. It's it's surprisingly an apt descriptor that brings us directly into our episode. <laughs> this is Two Bad Neighbors, and the episode we're talking about today is the Twisted World of Marge Simpson. But we have a guest to introduce. We sure as well. do. Introduced. <laughs> I can talk. Yeah, we sure do. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, she's not saying anything. I think the, she's the, broken. The gag order hasn't been re- right. lifted. It is lifted. It's Nell Harms. Hi. <laughs> now that I'm officially not speaking out of turn, I had a quick um, oh. point I wanted to say about Samantha's email. Okay. Um, there's a nice video that I saw from the um, Spanish language voice of Homer, mm. where it shows him like how he layers his performance. He does his first voice, where it's Homer being you know, brash. And then he adds the next layers like, okay, now Homer is dumb and you can see the subtle change in his voice. And then he's like, oh, now I do another layer. Homer is drunk. (laughs) So he's playing this brash, dumb, drunk character. And not only is he doing that as his voice performance, of course, they're trying to evoke the OG American Mm -hmm. cast in their performance as well. It's a really interesting video. It's probably on YouTube, but... The art of dubbing is a very, very difficult thing mm-hmm. to do for a vocal performer. Um, we should have Allie on to talk about that a little bit as well, because um, she she does that for anime, right? Yeah, right. Not, does not, dubbing not Sorry. for yeah. The Simpsons, but she she does. She was <laughs> like, wait, You've what? Been sitting on this <laughs> golden goose, <laughs> kind of buried for the years. lead there. Yeah. yeah, she does the Russian, which is interesting. You would think Camille would do that, but <laughs> she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> 
No, you're the one being naive. Ah, interesting. <laughs> um, so we're talking about the twisted world of Marge Simpson, Marjorie Simpson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the 11th episode of season eight. Yeah, written by Jennifer Crittenden, directed by Chuck Sheets. Original air date January nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven. First things first, Chuck Sheets got a new name. <laughs> um, Check that name. <laughs> Very good. Uh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I, I uh, should have said that. Yeah, I'm gonna. Is edit, it gonna edit that Charles out? Sheets? Is that <laughs> an improvement? Or? I don't know. It's maybe it's too close to Charles Sheets. Schultz. <laughs> so yeah, Charles that's probably why. M. Sheets. Maybe it's a really lazy uh, pen name for Charles Schultz who Maybe. doesn't want to be seen playing around with Simpsons. And, and well, weirdly directing Simpsons instead of writing yeah. for it. Charles Schultz is a, is notoriously okay with with being known as a sellout. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, sometimes you got to admire that. I mean, I'd do it. <laughs> like, Someone drove a dump truck full of money to my house, I'd be like, back it in. Come on. I'm not made of stone. What do you want me to sign? You wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't, Bill Waterston, or uh, no, absolutely or, not. I have so much respect for him, but I would never do that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, he, I, I would be a hundred percent like, oh, you want to mass produce Hobbs dolls? Here you go. You wouldn't. Miyazaki <laughs> How much money it? will you give me? Yes, please. You wouldn't Miyazaki it and just be happy with your bonsai tree and modest house? No, <laughs> absolutely not. I learned. I want at least three bonsai trees. What's your fun fact about the peanuts? He hated the name Peanuts. He wanted to call it Lil Folks. <laughs> <laughs> and they forced him to call it Peanuts. Why Peanuts? <laughs> I actually never... More marketable. Is that really? I mean, well, more so than Lil Folks, yes, but... <laughs> I gotta but tell like, you... why that... Peanuts? Like, what was the... I actually yeah. never knew the, the, the reason why it's well, called Peanuts. Well, that's a question you know? for his widow. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Well, listen. I've, I've, the courts have ordered me not to do that anymore. They've asked not to you bother her. Not to bother Edna Schultz. Um, Is that her name? Yeah. Okay. No, I have no okay, idea. Well, it's plausible. I'm sorry, Mrs. Schultz. <laughs> There's an Edna in the Investorettes. That's right. That there is, is. That is. It's true. an interesting group of Investorettes mm. that we are introduced to in the very opening moments of this uh, really good episode. Yeah. So Solid. let's uh, let's go let's go around Helen. the horn and uh, Helen. We yeah. got uh, 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 Agnes. Uh, damn it! Her name is Agnes, and you know it's Agnes. <laughs> Means lamb, lamb of God. <laughs> Maud. I Maud, can see Maud, Maud and Helen Edna. being. You know, they're both like church wives. Yeah. But the rest is a bit Churchy. of a mixed bag. <laughs> Edna's the weird one for me. Mm. Edna. Oh yeah, that's that's a little like weird in, to be in that group. Well, I mean, she's a single lady. I guess she's. she's Looking for something to do, but I just think it's off that it's a, that's but it's Bart's teacher, and he's been soup for one, salad for one, wine for three. <laughs> and she laughs about it. Yeah, <laughs> and yet they all have five hundred dollars to uh, invest. Well, if you don't have five hundred dollars to invest, what are you doing? Am I right? Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> Said the podcaster. <laughs> oh, uh, this is Greg's crying corner. Uh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know why Edna's with them, to be honest. Also, is school happening <laughs> during this episode? Well, she brings the family, the whole family to the, um, the expo. So that, I guess that could be a weekend. It could be, but also cause like Skinner's at school when, in that, in his brief, excellent appearance. Um, and he's like, this is for the cafeteria, like, but like no children are around. Oh, the franchise fair was probably on a weekend. 
You think so? Ever been to a franchise fair? No. I have. Tell me about it. <laughs> All right, I will. <laughs> I've lived a life. and You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about the Buffalo Farm sometime. Oh, boy. Now, the franchise fair that I went to was when we first moved out here to this great state of Alberta. Um, Province. Right. So it was at the Saddle Dome. Mm-hmm. Well, Heard of it? I was actually at the uh, Roundup Center, <laughs> of course, because we live in a town that takes that sort of thing seriously. So, greatest outdoor show on earth. You better believe it, <laughs> TMCR. So, <laughs> we go to the Roundup Center, and I am young. I'm about Bart's age, and I'm completely confused as to what the hell we're doing here, sure. why we're doing these things, and what checks are. I don't know what they are. <laughs> Um, the only money I ever made <laughs> at this the number one thing you're yeah. confused about the only checks. money I ever made in this point in time was from doing chores sure so they didn't pay you in checks <laughs> I didn't have a bank account <laughs> I had a jar of change I had a nice like a, wouldn't that be great if you received your allowance in checks but then you couldn't cash them until you were 18 <laughs> that's that's neat that's smart it'd be a nice little that's nest smart. egg but yeah. uh, you'd yeah. have to wait you'd be mad I'd be mad also you'd have to you'd <laughs> You'd have I want to candy. cash these individual pieces of paper for like two dollars, five dollars. <laughs> Ooh, fifteen. That's the time I mowed the lawn. Just to sign them all. And you're you're given like their tooth fairy money is that's a check. That's a check for twenty five cents. You only get twenty five cents for your teeth. Yeah, I got twenty five cents for a dollar. I'm. We were, we were upper class. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You'd need a Hindenburg flipbook uh, checkbook for all of that. That's right. To Blinky. Well, <laughs> might be why my dad is so very um, uh, like money centric, mm. because we didn't have it mm. for so long. That was the that was the idea. So it's like, yeah. well, there's money in teeth. There is, there is money in teeth. A bunch, you know. I I don't know. If, did you say that you just think they're neat? <laughs> How about these teeth? I just think they're neat. <laughs> Why do you think people store their those? gold there? <laughs> Can I have my teeth back? No. No. So we went to this franchise fair, and it had a whole bunch of obviously different franchises, but they were like all smaller ones. You weren't going to go there and buy a McDonald's or anything like that. It was like a lot of coffee stuff, a lot of food trucks, that sort of thing that you would do. It was very similar, really, in this one. The only thing that that, that, that was missing from the franchise fair that I went to was there wasn't like a picture hanging one or like the Academics of frame Disco. Nudging? Yeah, frame nudging wasn't there. Academics of Disco wasn't there. Um but there was a lot of food and coffee and that sort of thing that was going on there. And there was a lot of people just going around try to, uh, trying to invest in this crazy world that we call capitalism. And, you know, some people did, some people didn't. And it was very boring for mm -hmm. me. I would have uh, much preferred a robot greeting us at the front is what I'm trying to say. Danger. Danger. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great reference. <laughs> um. I am pretty sure I didn't understand what a franchise was for a long time. <laughs> Sometimes I don't. I still don't day. think I do. Yeah. <laughs> like even when he said McDonald's, I'm like, I get that. Like I understand that. It's like a big company and you're like, I'm going to buy the rights to use all of their products and sell all their products. But I still, this is still my store. Mm -hmm. Right. With a brand name that you can trust and it has name recognition. Yeah. 
Just ask Royce McCutcheon. <laughs> no deal, Royce McCutcheon. That moon money's mine. That he probably explains franchises in a in the most simple way, and it's actually like it's completely accurate, right? Because um, that's really all it is. You're 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 buying a name, and the products and services that go along with it. You're it's up to you to maintain the quality that goes uh, across the board. Mm-hmm. Really, um, some franchises I think are more um, invested, if you will, in maintaining the. Uh, across the line uh, consistency of their products like mcdonald's was one of the first ones to really do that and it worked yeah like gangbusters and so like a lot of these fast food joints are just like yeah if we can say that a that that a that a dairy queen milkshake tastes the same at every single dairy queen that's what people will want they're kind of right yeah Mm -hmm. you know um McDonald's is being the classic example. It's one thousand percent the classic example. They made a movie about it. The issue Michael with Keaton. all the um, franchises at this expo is that they do not seem to have that brand yeah. recognition. Yeah, they're all In fact, weird. it might be the first one <laughs> if Disco Stew is trying to like launch a franchise at the expo. It's like, oh, I'll start in Springfield, but it's gonna get big. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking stupid. I hate Disco Stew. Get him out of here. <laughs> He had his one moment. That's all out. we need. Yeah, get him out of here. He's in two bad neighbors. It's the only time he should appear. I agree. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, ruin him like a Japanese banquet. <laughs> uh, so, of course, the uh, the investorettes. This 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 episode starts out with one of the meaner scenes, like just really mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, why did Marge even get involved in this? Because like, she doesn't have the best relationship with Helen, right? No, no. And like, even Maude, like, uh, they're neighbors, but they've they've never been shown to be friends in any sense, right? They they never spent any time yeah, on they, them. Yeah, <laughs> it makes you wonder who in the group would have pulled Marge in. Well, yeah, like why like why did it happen anyway? And then may I pause a theory? Of course. Fan theory. I, that's what we're uh, here for. Ah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. Like I Fan theory. <laughs> too excited. Crisis alert. <laughs> oh, I missed that show. Yeah. Um, my my theory is that maybe this was something that happened with uh, that that Luann heard of after the divorce, mm-hmm. and Marge was spending a little bit more time with Luann. And True. this is uh, evidenced in that episode where she's yeah. like, actually, I don't know anything about you. Mm-hmm. Maybe they spend some more time together. And maybe Luann hears about it and is like, hey, do you want to go in on this? We need this much money. And I bet she would be the one to convince her after Marge was being a wet blanket about it yeah. into doing it. But then Luann's not there. Luann is in the... Is she? Yeah, she's in the investor ends. Yeah, she's not in every scene oh, with okay. the investorettes. I was just remembering she, the... She doesn't come along to the expo, I don't think, but she's at she is, brunch? She's, she's is in she? the expo, she's the brunch, but she's... Oh, right. She's at the brunch. She the only through the... The only part the time when she says, like, yeah. she's greeting everybody? I think that's why yeah. I was just, like, remembering, oh. And she doesn't even say hi to everyone there. She says hi to two of them and then forgets Agnes's name. One, two, and, three. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's the four of them. But, yeah, okay, Luann is there. Yeah. Makes sense then. Yeah. Good work. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but I think I think that's what it would have been. Yeah, th- I mean that makes the most sense. I think she has the best of those ladies. That's she's the one who has the best relationship with Marge. Yeah, is Luann. And Marge doesn't do anything with her five hundred dollars. She immediately decides it's too risky. Right away. Well, when I, they when like, they start throwing ideas around. Right, but then she does. Doesn't she use? Well, that? they had invested. Do they take it away from her? 
they they had invested before. Right. Right. Like it, it was her. It was a five hundred dollar initial investment, on which they made three point seven eight percent. Yeah. So they probably just gave her her five hundred dollars back and kept the profit. Like so. Okay. So I'm just kind of forgetting some of the plot points. Uh, when they kick her out. Yeah. Is that like she gets her money back? They give yeah. her the check. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the pancakes in the mail. Right. That's. <laughs> See, they're not cruel. They're not cruel. They're just jerks. Agnes is just off her meds. <laughs> She's so mean in this. Children are so fat these days. Can we make some money off of that? There's a lot of mean-spirited humor in this episode. I think it comes from the right people, specifically Agnes. (laughs) I think that, like, if you're gonna get mean-spirited humor, that's 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 in character for her. Hmm. So, like, like, the other fat joke is from Marge. Yeah, (laughs) which is like that one's weird. It's a weird one because it's like, ah, don't forget fat people. They can't stop eating. And then her husband (laughs) is like the one, the butt of the joke where he's like, ooh, pretzels. Everything that that Agnes says, I think, is completely in character, and I think she's so funny. Yeah, (laughs) I like her. Yeah, I, I mean, know. as a character, yeah. <laughs> not as a human. <laughs> I've already said I I enjoy this episode. I like the uh, excuse the pun twists that oh. it takes. Mm, a delicious pun, uh, <laughs> and that's also because yeah. pretzels are delicious. Yeah, guys, yeah. We're just really nailing this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's take a minute, and this is our pat ourselves on the back <laughs> moment at the half hour mark. Uh, feels good to be. Feels good. Feels Question good to... for you guys. Yeah, what's oh. up? What? <laughs> How do you feel about Frank Ormond? I like him. I do too. Is he likable? I think so. I mean, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, he is voiced by Jack Lemmon. Yep. One of uh, one of the best living actors at the time. <laughs> Agreed. Yep. And I saw this episode before I had really known who Jack Lemmon was. And I really, so I really liked the character. I And I think it has to do with his vocal performance. I was just like, he, he's kind of this like middle like down on his luck but like still very like positive like i don't know there's something about the way he opens his bag of ingredients and sees millipedes and he doesn't like you know okay cut like he's just like <laughs> uh, check for millipedes like this is a thing we have to deal with in the pretzel business mm-hmm. and then keeps going <laughs> and i'm like i don't know there's something about him that's just like kind of kind of charming i don't know if that's the right word i'd use to describe it but anyway so then once I learned who Jack Lemmon was, and I saw movies like The Apartment and Glenn Glory, Glenn, Glenn Ross, and uh, Grumpy Old Men, um, <laughs> and of course the uh, superior sequel, Grumpier Old Men. I was going to say, but uh, thank yes, you. thank you. Um, I, I, oh, and Twelve Angry Men as well is another great Lemon performance. In it's like I think a TV version. Yeah, it's of a TV it. movie. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not the original, but it's it's he's very good. Does at he that. play the Fonda part? He plays. Yeah. Oh he's, wow. He's the the lead essentially. Um, I just I I really love Jack Lemmon as a character or as an actor, and so then once I rewatch this episode, I just have this like kind of like soft spot for Frank Ormond because of that, so that helps. But I did like him before I knew who Jack Lemmon was as well. Hmm. I yeah same same answer as far as I knew I didn't know who Jack Lemmon was. I thought this was just like a kind of a like a just a a, a good spirited guy who was never really that successful but here's the magic of jack lemon <laughs> this is why he's so he's so good he's so good is that he can play a character like this who if you knew more about him probably wouldn't be that likable because you as you you know more about 
the the character that they're modeling him after, which is Sheldon Levine, who Jack Lemmon played in Glengarry Glen Ross. And I mm. think everyone else who will ever play that role is going to be, you're just going to be like, oh, well, Jack Lemmon probably did this better mm-hmm. because he is the epitome of it because he is so sympathetic in the film and you feel so bad for him. But then you also look at him and you're like, look at the job that you're doing and look at the ways that you're doing it. And he is, he is duplicitous. He is a criminal in the film. Mm. He is, um, he is a, he is a quintessential grimy salesman, but the way that he plays it allows you to feel the depths of this character. And, and that's clearly who this this character of Frank is modeled after, down to the way he dresses. Yeah. And then they would go on to exaggerate that with Gil. Yeah. And that's uh, what I was gonna say. It's yeah, like Gil. you look you look at the Gil character, and that's this, they're taking basically the same idea as Frank Roman, but they're yeah they're exaggerating the kind of like uh, down on his luck part. Yeah. Uh, and like pleading like. Yeah, I didn't aspect. have the frame of reference, so yeah. I. Just was going strictly off of The Simpsons. Gil is a lot more desperate, a lot more uh, incompetent. Yeah. And Frank does seem very, like, well-meaning and genuine in a way that's endearing. But I feel like he is the cause of all of Marge's problems. (laughs) And the thing is, with with Jack Lemmon, you always feel like there is motive. There is purpose. There is a drive behind it. Behind his, like, like, his, his, like... Behind the, the the reason he wants to sell you something isn't just because he wants to sell you something. It's because, well, at the end of the day, he's doing it for a, a for a living. He has something to work for. He has like he has a he has a house he wants to work for. He like this is a this is a full this is a this is a person, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of thing that only a guy like only a truly great actor can do in such a short time. Is like I feel. Like Frank Orman with those two scenes is a kind of a full person. Like yeah. you see that he's been like he's he's they they've they don't play up the down on his luck thing, but they show it to you with Just him. Just like the way he ed- like the the video is the video the yeah. way the video is the way he answers ah uh, your territory uh, <laughs> right uh, uh, shit yeah yeah and you know with with the kind of parallels to Gill as well is that uh, Dan Castellaneta is doing Gill. And he's doing essentially a uh, uh, Jack Lemmon impression, but like specifically the Glenn Glenn Ross character impression. And because of that, it's, yeah, it's, it's played for laughs more. But you just think about how if that, if the Gil character was voiced by Jack Lemmon, like in some crazy world, if Jack Lemmon became a regular on The Simpsons and he voiced Gil, I think he'd still, he'd still be more on the side of Frank Orman where you wouldn't be. I personally don't like Gil that much. Uh, he has a like his his best episode is his first, which is real realty bites. bites. I agree, and it's kind of a disco Sue thing where I'm like, that's all you need. Like we don't need to see him come because he's over so obvious. He's in he's in a real estate firm. Yeah, he's wearing the suspenders. <laughs> he looks like Jack Lemon in Glengarry. Yeah, yeah. It, that's that's his only function. That's that's the only thing he should function as is a really clever reference yeah. and oh and in that episode he has some of the best lines like <laughs> i brought this wall from home <laughs> like, <laughs> like and that's that it's it's exactly like disco disco stew yeah that's where he should have started and stopped yeah 
but uh, maybe the Canyon Arrow episode. Mm, no, <laughs> disagree. Because that's that's funny. It's like, come on, I need this. But then there's the Coleco episode, and that's really funny too. Nah, I mean, you're losing me. <laughs> We're on the same page, and just falling, falling further away from agreement. But when it comes down to it, like I can obviously do without those moments. Sure. And I would rather just have a strong gill mm-hmm. in Realty Bites than what he became. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, so Janelle. Mm-hmm. You're saying he's the cause of all of Marge's problems in this episode. It's, well, it's not really a strong business idea, both from the franchise perspective of, <laughs> you know, there's not a pre-existing demand for pretzel wagon pretzels. So here's just just on that note, because I was reading about this and apparently when they were making this episode, both pitas and pretzels were becoming like fads in like malls and stuff. Mm. So, so I, I went and then actually now as well, like I, I remember there being like pretzel, like pretzels were kind of a thing. Annie's? Was this um, one like Annie's pretzels were coming Maybe. Out? I don't remember. Um, but I know now I see Wetzel's pretzels and Mr. Pretzel and like, there's like a weird oh. influx of pretzels in malls currently. Like Brand today. new pretzels? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I would agree more. that like, that pretzels in general aren't like a... A staple for me in any way like i'm not like oh man i really could go for a pretzel um but i it seems like there is a market for it <laughs> mm-hmm. where there's because i remember when the uh sunridge mall there was a mr pretzel that opened up and there was like lineups for it because people were like gotta get that pretzel like oh there's savory ones and there's sweet ones let's which one should we try and they have like little platter of like samples so they can they can get you if um, she was in a standalone location like that, I think she right. could have been more successful. It just seems like she has to hustle way too hard yeah, for it is what weird. she's supposedly buying into. Yeah, it is weird for it to be like a mobile pretzel like wagon. Pretzel wagon is the franchise, right? Like a mobile pretzel delivery service or something? Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Yeah. But they have the, like, the, the pop-up stand as well. Yeah. The way I looked at it was she's doing... She's doing everything right. It's it's the show that needs her to fail, right. which is a problem to me because she's actually doing it right. Like the whole idea of her going to the nuclear plant mm-hmm. for that time, it's like she could go there for every lunch break yep. and she'd make she'd yeah, make a like a bunch truck in that she'd sense, make a right? bunch yeah. of money. She would make a whole bunch of money. Uh, and like the idea of going and and popping up a food truck outside of an Isotopes game is a great idea. She wouldn't get the permit for it, for one. Mm. But, like, this is also another thing where it's like, oh, maybe get just get a, a booth in the concessions around the whole game where yep. people go and get pretzels, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so the the fact that she that she fails has nothing to do with her. She has great ideas. Which is the problem that this that's the only problem that I see in this episode. She fails through no fault of her own. Except got to put a disclaimer on that coupon. The coupon. That's the only mistake <laughs> like, she made. Come on, Marge. And there's no reason she <laughs> has to honor it. This is like real, real elementary stuff. <laughs> like free pretzel, limit one per customer, expires this, you well, know. Well, that like... should have been in Frank's handbook <laughs> then. Maybe it was. We don't know. We haven't read the handbook. We haven't read the handbook, have That's we? That's true. the handbook for Because she did millipedes. say, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those millipedes are everywhere. <laughs> They've permeated. <laughs> They've infested. Go millipede. Uh, possible, possible disturbing tangent. 
that reminded me of when I worked at a movie theater and uh, there was a mouse in the popcorn kernel bag once. And it was dead or alive. It was alive. <laughs> but what happened was it was so okay. Cause this is so vivid in my brain. Uh, a different employee was scooping the kernels like you do um, to prepare for the next batch. And and there was just like a little tail poking out <laughs> and a little mouse butt. <laughs> and and they, they like kind of shrieked and went uh and like st- and at first I thought, oh, it's a dead mouse. Gross. But then it like Grosser. <laughs> scurried and like ran and I was like, ah, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it just reminded me oh of that. Cause it, and then we found like, we looked at where the kernel bags were being stored and we found like holes chewed. And so we had to throw out all of them. God. And theaters are disgusting. Right? Oh God. You have, you have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> well, I can do one better or worse. Yeah, unfortunately, um, our, the movie theater I worked at had a basement. It was We've all worked at a movie theater. Oh, then you know. Yeah, <laughs> but this, this, the, um, the syrups and things were kept in the basement, and it all had to be pumped upstairs to the main floor for the. So there would always be like um, CO two problems and stuff. Okay, anyway, yeah. so I go down there, and all of the syrup had leaked onto the floor, and in the middle of this puddle of syrup was like a furry mouse skeleton. So Ugh. it had been there for a while. And guess whose job it was to clean it up? <laughs> I did not work there too long after that. But there seems to be a consistent problem. I mean, Furry Mouse Skeleton is a pretty good name for a band, though. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Patent pending. <laughs> what genre would that be? Oh, it's punk. Oh, it's punk rock. Punk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. My first album, Dead in the Basement. Exclusively um, comprised of um, people who also work at movie theaters. That's, that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked at a movie theater. Any mice? Nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a nice theater. <laughs> All right. It was nice. It was it was relatively new as well. Where was it? Cochrane. Huh. Yeah. Was it a Cineplex? No, 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 no. I don't know. No, no. This was back when um... <laughs> He said nice, Alan. <laughs> oh, well, like, take that Cineplex. Like it's a it's a fair <laughs> question. Brought to, you by <laughs> <Cineplex>. <laughs> to you by Cineplex. Go to Cineplex.com backslash scene points backslash give me the money backslash TBN. <laughs> Enter promo code give me the money. <laughs> And you'll get 1,000 scene points. <laughs> Ka-ching. And the new CD from Free Mouse Skeleton. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Greg. Uh, yeah. Uh, doesn't matter? No, it doesn't okay. matter. Uh, <laughs> Mouseless. <laughs> Mouseless. That's the point. Mouseless. Yeah. No mice. Yeah. Yeah. Mice are, mice are gross. They just want to eat. So what foils... Don't we all? <laughs> what what foils Marge in, in these moments? One, the coupons. Two, the... The nuclear plant being, you know, the the fleet of PETA people show the, up. Them usurping. Yeah. yeah. And they're, uh, the, the nuclear power plant people are a fickle bunch. Of course. And won't spend a dollar for a pretzel and then spend a couple more to get a PETA. I don't know about you, but that sounds oh, I'd like... i get both. I would get both. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds like a nice little snack. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> In my yum yum. Tum tum. That's right. <laughs> And then the third is, again, by no fault of her own, she gives out a whole bunch of these pretzels, and they throw them at Whitey Ford. Well, they throw them at Mr. Burns. At first. Whitey Ford is pleading for some kind of sanity. Yeah. (laughs) This is a dark day for baseball. (laughs) Um, Once again, I believe that's Hank and Dan doing the commentators. And I think Hank Azaria has one of the funniest and best fake broadcaster voices 
And of course, his show Brockmire. Yeah. Have you seen it? On that. I, I know. I've, I've seen clips, though, and it's very aping that it's very that azaria it's yeah. it's like oh what would what would ha- what would happen if hank azaria did a did his baseball voice yeah. and had a show <laughs> this is exactly what, what would happen that's what it is <laughs> yeah it's actually quite funny yeah the the show he's very good in it surprisingly even though he's doing a cartoon voice um but he's actually quite good in the Wait, show is, is he always doing the voice i thought it was just like when he's announcing he well he it, talk, it he goes talks like this the thing is it goes extra right okay but that's that's not his voice right. like even if you even if you dropped the uh even if you dropped the one batters out and three what the f- i don't fucking know <laughs> i don't know fucking baseball, know baseball. <laughs> uh, it's like three batters out and yeah. and three well they, they, would, they wouldn't have that's three outs <laughs> you don't you see <laughs> top of the ninth <laughs> Base is loaded, and the pitcher, Carl Franklin, yeah. making his way all the way from New York City, is going to be throwing, what did we see? A fastball, and that's a ball. <laughs> Not good for Carl Franklin, as he's been <laughs> throwing nothing but balls all night. And the coach is, sorry, manager, is walking <laughs> to the mound to see what's going on. That sort of thing. Sure. <laughs> that's very good. But, like, that's... That's me just doing some sort yeah. of a, a voice. But when you turn it off, there's got to be something left of that voice. And he's actually still doing a voice, which makes the performance that he's doing in Brockmire, the fact that he's making it a real person is very difficult. <laughs> but he does it. But there's, but like, because he's this, a cartoon this, man. This makes me think about just announcers in general. Like, it's baffling to me that an announcer who like maybe talks like this, like uh, coming up on uh, CKXU twenty three, that they're talking like that in their real life, you know, like hey everybody, how's it going? Uh, one uh, Big Mac, please, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they they put on a voice when they they're sure doing do, they sure do, and um, so it's weird to be like, yeah, of course I have my announcer voice, but when I'm talking normally, I'm still gonna be kind of that announcer voice. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just assumed that. The Brockmire character was normal Hank Azaria, and then when he's announcing, he's got a voice, but and it's not. He makes a weird choice, right? Yeah. Um, well, you know that's what uh, that's what that's what Lee Strasberg said. Always make choices. Who's that? He was the one of the one of the uh, uh, founding members of the Actor Studio. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Stella Adler and Lee Strasberg. We weird, went to weird. university. <laughs> uh, wasn't James Lipton? Well, he was a- no, he was just a guy who asked questions. He's funny though. Yeah, he's great. He's funny in um, that show that everyone likes, but Rest was bad in the last two seasons. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> the Simpsons, <laughs> right? Just the last two seasons, yeah. though. <laughs> Which are TBD. Like we don't know what the last two are going to be. Yet. That's true. Yeah. But they're going to be bad. They're going to be bad. Everything else is great. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> For 30 years. <laughs> you know what I like about this episode? Tell me. It's one of those ones where it's a Marge episode. Like, it's a Marge-centric episode. Yep. And the family rallies around her. Like, there's never weird, you know, mm-hmm. uh, conflict within the family. Like, literally, like, I'm watching, I'm like, wow, like, they're they're all, like, Homer's made a little official pretzel inspector hat. Which is very cute. Which is so cute. He's and then like very supportive. Yeah. And then, like, the kids, too, are, like, high-fiving. Like, we did it. And it's, like, this, like, nice kind of family, uh, you know, kind of a family business in a way. And 
It's very nice. I like it. Yeah. It's wholesome. They're trying to have their part of the American dream. They just, they could have easily Money. gone to the well of having some conflict within the family or somebody does not approve. Right. Like Homer being like, Marge, I don't want you to be a pretzel yeah. person. Like, mm. As thin as I felt some of the, her obstacles were, I would still, I still prefer what they did to right. it being just Homer trying to stomp on her dreams. Oh, because we've Again. seen that before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's endlessly. It's, it's like, I'm done with that. It's fine. I don't want to see that ever again. We do, but <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. So whatever. Um, but the whole idea that the that the big <laughs> the big dramatic conflict comes from this this really really weird external external thing that Homer brings in is very funny, but also in character for Homer. Going to the mob. Going to the mob. Yeah. Let's do it. I get that mob money. Yeah, get that mob money, and then we got an excellent montage of things going well. Very mobster like. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I love how crooked the cops are. <laughs> yeah, Just find uh, some barnacles on the ship, and uh, the deck was deck wet. was wet. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and an exploding van. Oh yeah, yeah. And the uh, and just messing with Hans Mole Man again. Ruining his hot dog stand. He's got a hot dog stand. They now. just tip it over. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> he was at guy. the same um, franchise expo. Yeah. He's like, he found the finally, hot, dog stand. hot yeah. dogs will. He's like, maybe this will help me in my life. And they're like, fuck you. He's like, oh, poor guy. Well, he's 31. He's got a lot of time left. That's true. <laughs> he's also died seven times. <laughs> Wait, why oh, is he 31? My brains. <laughs> he says it. Yeah, oh, there's an episode. It's like a where... Benjamin Button situation. He just no. gets ruined. He's just he says alcohol has ruined my life. I'm 31 years old. It's in the episode oh, Duffless. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> An okay episode. Yeah. <laughs> but I I really like this one and like the ones that we've been doing so far because they have been very, very, very tight. They've been, well, if not tight, but at least like uniform in the way that they're in, in the way that their plot flows. Like I said with Mysterious Voyage that it was a little bit it was a little bit loose, but at least the the plot was was clear and some and things always led to to one thing led to another and the B plot was non-existent if at all and with the springfield files same thing it was like one thing leads to another and it gets bigger and like the everything makes sense and with this one it's the same yeah it it's just like oh yeah here's our plot this is where we're going from the franchise thing which also means we can show off a whole bunch of jokes like we always love to do in our first act Mm -hmm. but all the jokes are perfectly in line with where the ep- with where the episode started and where it's going to go. This one is kind of like a, a throwing the darts at the wall and it's like, "Ooh, I wonder what the franchise is going to be. I wonder what their what what their choice is going to be." And like that's kind of like a superfluous thing. It didn't have to be pretzels. It could have been anything, really. But the fact that it is is kind of fun. They get to tool around with the with the shape and animation of pretzels quite a bit in this episode mm-hmm. uh and you get very like in the the pretzel wagon on top of uh with marge's car yeah. but the spring is like instantly an iconic simpsons image yeah which is i think something that we featured in simpsons hit and run really i think so or great we're road rage mm. one of those oh god one of those driving ones yeah which is like something i'm always down for mm-hmm. i love it when we get new 
well, iconic Simpsons images. Um, the Mysterious Voyage was full of them. And this one, of course, doubles down on the singular image of the pretzel, mm-hmm. which I think is very cute. They take a very <laughs> mundane object and make it a very humorous object. Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably why when you said you were doing this episode, I was immediately, yes. Like, I lit <laughs> up and it's so iconic to think of. Yeah. The, pr- the pretzel episode, even <laughs> if I couldn't remember which jokes came in this episode, because it's not always clear wh- how they set things up so you could arrive at that joke. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the the strength of a lot of the episodes that we really like uh, often, for me, starts in one of two ways. Either starts with something clearly related to the plot, so if I was watching it on syndication, I would know, oh, it's a pretzel episode. Or it starts with something completely irrelevant, but very funny, like them watching some, you know, action news or uh what was the beach uh ion springfield ion springfield uh what's the like beach uh sandcastle competition uh, war, yeah or yeah oh <laughs> the absence of mark rudkin <laughs> oh wait oh, there, there he is, is. <laughs> one of my favorite ones is the uh is the ion springfield with of course the two-story outhouse <laughs> is one of the greatest <laughs> opening jokes in the history of television uh because you hear underneath oh god oh, stop, god, stop. <laughs> Any chance I have to bring that up, I will. Yeah. It's so, it's the it's the most sophisticated poop joke <laughs> that's ever been. <laughs> that's fair, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like I like that like really strong episodes start either with something very recognizable or something that's very funny, so you don't care that it's like outside of the plot. And like we've mentioned, the ble- the badger plots are the least effective because. They start in a certain direction and then shift, and you're like, "Oh, right, that turns into this episode," you know. And, it's and you're weird... always mm-hmm. disappointed. Yeah, it's always a disappointment. Yeah, build a tennis court. <laughs> Do you remember well, that one? I, I vaguely, if they had a bunch of cement <clears throat> left over to build, so they were gonna, uh, like a mausoleum. Yeah, they were going to build a <clears throat> plot for Grandpa, and then they said, they said like he was talking to someone. And he's like, to to build this size, you would, uh, or like, this much cement is the size of a, te- is the same amount a tennis court would use or something. And Homer goes, tennis oh. court, eh? Smash cut to him building a tennis court in the backyard. And then he, he says, bet you didn't see that coming because they're, because they know. Mm. They're like, we're in on it. We're in on how bad this is. That makes it good, right, guys? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Stop it. Many would argue it makes it worse. Fuck you, Al Jean. <laughs> But he makes those trains run on time. He sure does. Yeah. yeah. They Gotta arrive. for you, Al. Yeah. Yeah. It's right here. It's right here. I'm looking at it right now. Right next to me. It's got a laptop on it right now. Yeah. I'll we'd move the laptop. Move it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll move it. We'll clear it off. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, the mob. Let's talk how, do about guys, how do you guys feel about this, This uh, with the way it wraps up? I love it. <laughs> Are we talking specifically about the gang war? Uh, yes, but the, also just in general, like the, yeah, the third act and how it, it, it becomes less of a Marge struggling to keep a small business afloat and more of a, you know, a mafia movie in a way. I love it because it's, because Marge is still very much involved in it. Um, but I also really like it when Fat Tony comes in, in, I don't always like it, but... <laughs> But this is clearly a good use of him. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I just love that. 
uh, Joe Montana mm-hmm. is always game yep. to come back and do it. Um, and and if and if that's what it takes to get us to the mob war at the end, mm-hmm. then I'm all for it. Because you know I who suggested the mob war. Graining. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he has good contributions. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes he comes sometimes he comes down from his office on high where he's been twiddling his thumbs and assuming I assume playing Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, shooting whiskey. Yeah. And people <laughs> who come into his office. Of course. Uh, and then he comes down and he's like, you know what would be great? Mob war. <laughs> And they're like, you don't even know what you're talking about. He's like, doesn't matter. Put it in. Takes I a slurp it. of his cup and walks yeah. out. Takes another shot of whiskey, throws yeah. it at a production assistant, and goes up the elevator. That's right. No, apparently they had no idea how to end end the story. Clearly. And, yeah. And oh, so it shows. Matt mm-hmm. Groening suggested this, and they're like, all right, let's do it. Like, it's not a good ending, no. but it's also a very funny it's one. Funny, yeah. It's funny, it's, And I think, like... I think the humor of this ending makes up for its uh, lack of story importance or even like, like it's not even like as far as the the writing goes, it's okay. Bring back the, the investorettes. That's yeah, fine. That, makes sense. that I think makes it hold up. I think for me, I would have preferred if, uh, the the way like Marge gets out of the pretzel business, which because we need to return to status quo, was something more like she had more agency with it. You know, it definitely like the third act is very much like she's still involved, but she's like everything's kind of out of her hands for the rest of the the episode. That's would, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. She has very little agency, especially by the end. Yeah, and it would have been nice if it, there was some kind of I don't know, like you could still have the mob thing and then Marge kind of realize, "Hey, capitalism sucks" or something, I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and like she decides that like she can't deal with the, that side of the world. She can't be a small business owner cuz mm, she can't Maybe the American compete. dream is really a nightmare. That's right. Yeah. So, anyway. Maybe it was really just propaganda that was written into the foundational documents of the american constitution <laughs> designed to or she sang a song people. or something you know morals oh a and, song of morals course. and ethics and carnal, carnal forbearance forbe- of course a good simpsons song would have done it yeah <laughs> would have done it yeah <laughs> to convince the mob not to not to take her money or something yeah that would have been nice <laughs> a good old-fashioned we don't have to go on a rant against capitalism <laughs> we do that in the next episode that's right <laughs> get ready for that that's right so, um, as far as the finale goes, I actually kind of like that it ends with them just sitting at the table and talking about like, I'm sorry I did that. And she's like, no, I love you for trying. Yeah. And it's a, it's kind of a nice, a nice moment. It's a nice <laughs> moment. And it's just punctuated with great, with a great Simpsons thing with having, having the mob war going on outside. Um, it's so, to me, it's so funny. I just remember the shot of the Yakuza uh, and them like panning across the the Yakuza and switching back to the mafia and like them all fighting on the lawn. It's yeah. so dumb. It's so <laughs> Super dumb. dumb, but it's so funny. Yeah. That little guy hasn't done anything yet. And you know it's going to be good. That's a reference. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Do you know to what? It's oh, I think it's to a John Woo movie. Cuz I didn't find it in my research. But. Um I want to say what he's wearing specifically, mm. is a reference to the John Woo film, The Killer. Okay. Starring... Um, John Woo? Uh, no, Chow Yun-Fat. Chow Yun-Fat, sorry. Yeah. 
Uh, John Woo's avatar. John Woo always drinks John Woo, right? Yeah. Uh, John Woo's best friend in the yeah. whole wide world, Xiao Yun Fat. Yeah. Um, and maybe his best film is The Killer. Um, but yeah, there's a there's like off. Uh, that's his second best film. That's I think that's his best American film. Sure. Yeah. By far. Um, Mission Impossible Two. Second best American film. I can go, okay, I'll do my ranking. Uh, Both about faces. Yeah, ironically. <laughs> Masks uh, I would faces I would, being off. I would argue Mission Impossible 2 is more about faces than face <laughs> off There's is. definitely more faces coming off yeah. in Mission Impossible 2. The working title was Mission Impossible 2 Face Off. <laughs> and then Face Off came out like, oh, we got to change it. Would it be just Mission Impossible Face Off? I, I mean, no, because they were still doing numbers at the time. Well, this is the second one, so it's up to them. I guess that's true. Right? The second one was groundbreaking because it was just Mission Impossible 2. Mm-hmm. The third one wasn't groundbreaking for any reasons. The fourth one was groundbreaking hey, because... PSH gives a phenomenal performance that's, okay, in that movie. Fair enough, yeah. How dare you. We gotta, yeah, we gotta take them where they come. And yeah, uh, yeah Philip Seymour Hoffman is great. And you know, that scene on the plane between the two of them is just intensity. Just two actors at the height of their intensity just being intense towards each other. And it's like what a great way to open a movie. And what a great reunion from their characters in uh Magnolia. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the reunion we all wanted. That's right. <laughs> uh. Uh, but my uh yeah, as I was saying, my mm-hmm. John Woo American film rankings go like this. Uh-huh. Face off, sure. Mission Impossible Two, uh Broken Arrow, and then Paycheck. Oh yeah, Paycheck. Did you do Equilibrium? One. He did not. Oh. No, no. I think Some those weird, are the. I think those are his American films. I think those are the ones that he that he got made. Um, Broken Arrow is a weird movie. I've never seen that one. Can you think of any movie, Janelle? Can you think of any movies with doves in them? Doves, like mm-hmm. specifically doves. Yeah, doves Animal. flying as people walk. Um, magician movies. Magician. <laughs> oh yeah, movie. like um, you know the magician illusionist. Illusionist, sure. That's a John Are there Woo movie. Are doves in the illusion? Oh, wait, come again. That's, that's a signature move. <laughs> oh, it's doves. Uh, it's like yeah, it's like a yeah. Are there doves in Face Off? Oh, 100 percent. They're at the airport at, or something. No, it's at the end when they're in the church, mm. and Nicolas Cage comes in. Well, that's where or, sorry, doves live. John Travolta comes in playing Nicolas Cage, playing, and it's a whole thing. Mm. Their face is off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. He made the uh, he he made the Jean Claude Van Damme film Hard Target. That was. That was his first um, American American film. Mm. Never seen that one either. Yeah, it's not great. Oh, and he oh, <laughs> I missed two. Ah, oh, come he, on. He made he made hard talk at uh, Target and uh, and Wind Talkers. Wind Talkers. Oh, Wind Talkers. Yes. with Nick Cage. With Nick Cage. Hell yes. Oh, I just assumed if you couldn't remember it, that means it probably doesn't, doesn't make exist. your ranking. <laughs> no, it definitely made, makes my ranking. All of those uh, movies are above um, uh, Paycheck. Paycheck is really, really But it's still really face-off MI2. Oh, yeah. One and two. Uh, a face-off MI2, then probably Wind Talkers. Yeah. And um, I've seen Hard Target. I would say, yeah, then Hard Target, then Broken Arrow, then Paycheck. This sounds like the percolations of a uh, John Woo podcast. <laughs> The Cinewoo. John Woo, there it is. Uh no, never. Um But I've I've seen a lot of his a lot of his old movies and, and that one and like the just just the, the the man in the suit um makes me think about uh John, John Woo, Woo movies. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Specifically yeah. his like his crime movies. Yeah. 
I think my biggest issue with most John Woo movies is not enough faces come off. Yeah. Uh, then he really starts to overcompensate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Too many faces come yeah. off. Yeah. It starts out with too little and then way too many. He hits a perfect equilibrium with the movie Face Off. Uh-huh. And then it just kind of spirals out of control because like Paycheck has even more faces coming off. Yeah. Too many faces. Yeah. Keep them faces on. Yeah. But then Red Cliff, <laughs> he goes back to none. <laughs> Face Off is great, you guys. It is. It's such a good movie. Yeah, we don't need a remake. No. Wait, they're doing a remake? It's been threatened. Oh. <laughs> it's not. It's been hinted at or it's been announced. It's been threatened. I think it's a threat because, like, <laughs> why would you want to remake that movie? What What is there? What What good can come of that? <laughs> Nothing. You're right. It's called right. Gemini Man. <laughs> Remember that did movie? You see, did you see it? I didn't. Okay, I didn't. I because <clears throat> when the 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 day I could go, turns out I couldn't. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I had to go to Banff, and I looked it up, and it was already out. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> it was already out of the Banff yeah, cinema. It did, po- it did poorly. And which case, it would have been. It wouldn't have been. It would have been in 3D, but not HFR because I don't think the Banff Theater has. I don't think anywhere in. in uh, they were Canada projecting it in 60 frames. Right. They were Slightly projecting higher, it in 60 but frames, but nowhere but in China and Taiwan were they projecting it in 120, uh, 3D, 4K. Yeah, which is what he wanted. Yeah. So technology hasn't caught up to uh, to Ang Lee yet. No, not yet. I hope. I hope that's the last one he does like that. I hope he makes another movie like Sense and Sensibility next. That'd be great. <laughs> it's like a nice romance movie. Yeah, that would be great. Um, or maybe he makes a, another martial arts movie in HFR, which I would be cool with because fuck yeah. Or like Brokeback Mountain 2. Broke, Brokeback Mountain 2. <laughs> Bro- he did Life of Pi, right? He did. He's, he's, he does all sorts of things. Yeah. He, yeah, he's all over the place. Oh, he's, that's why he's fascinating. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild, his, the, the movies he makes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Should we uh, head on over to the reference desk, or do you want to do episode okay. MVP? Is that where we're going to put it in the how we do it? That's a good question. Sure. We are uh, <laughs> doing the making of Two Bad Neighbors <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, I think it's Marge. Like, I, I feel like she's she's the most interesting part of the episode, and sure. I like her story arc. I like that she, in the first two thirds, has a lot of agency and is doing a lot of like boots to the ground work and like trying her best. And and there's like like I said, there's never a point where it's like the conflict isn't internal. Like it's all just like the world sucks. She doesn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like. I like that she's just like still going for it and uh, just has bad luck with a lot of it. Um, second MVP is Principal Skinner. Laughs to screen time. He's the winner. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this one scene. I have to go now. <laughs> I believe it was a boking accident. <laughs> 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 Why do have laser guided <laughs> pistols? Or just Why not? Or, yeah, anyway. Good for threatening. It's true. <laughs> Janelle? Oh, MVP of the episode? Hmm. I, I assumed the guests didn't chime in on this one, so I... No, absolutely they do. 
I can mm. say mine if you... Guests chime in on whenever they want, really. Yeah, yeah. Okay, say yours. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you said Marge. I have to agree with you on that. So I'll uh, I'll just shine a spotlight on somebody else. Um, I really, really, really loved Agnes <laughs> in this episode. Uh, she's very funny. She made me laugh with every line that she had. <laughs> she's still getting some of the profits. <laughs> Pounding her fist on the yeah, table. Yeah, it's a great performance from yeah. Tress McNeil. Like, mm-hmm. it's so, it's like, yeah, she's, it's so crazy how a vocal performer can just completely have this character realized with their, with, with their first vocal performance of this mm-hmm. character. And she has been on the ball with this character since she was first introduced. Yeah. And, that spanky that voice is so funny and it tells you everything you need to know about this woman Mm -hmm. so i've said mine uh i think the mvps are tiffany heather (laughs) cody (laughs) dylan hunter qbert phil okay (laughs) cletus is 26 children (laughs) the most new characters possibly introduced named characters true yeah they they get to eat (laughs) That's true. <laughs> They're eating tonight. Uh, yeah. They're okay. extreme couponers. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Want to head over to the desk? My phone's mad at me. Hold on. Okay. There How are you, Mel? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I moved to I have the fingerprint thing. You did? Mm-hmm. Where? Yeah. That's maybe the biggest piece of news. <laughs> really? Um, of how I've been. Is it I'm like, like, like just a few minutes down the street from uh, Boathouse Studios. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I used to live in the Beltline of Calgary, and now I'm up in the Burbs. Nice. It's nice up here. Mm. Indeed. <laughs> Took a long time to agree with me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Had to think about it. You'll like it eventually, I think. Maybe. Mm-hmm. No, I do like. I like if, it a lot. If not, you'll go insane and move back more central. No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, anyway, references. Uh, Municipal House of Pancakes is, uh, of course, the M-Hop that we're all familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, reference to International House of Pancakes, IHOP. Uh, Lost in Space with the robot. Danger, danger. Uh, which I just want to say, his name is Investo from the planet Opportuniac, which is an honorable mention joke for me. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> I think it's very funny. The writers seem to love that character they've had at least three the, the, robots yeah, like the i can the robot. think of yeah. yeah robbie the automaton i think they just love robots in general and that's probably like they grew up with lost in space so they mm-hmm. they probably associate robots with uh robbie the robot so much but because yeah robots show up a lot and they're always very funny to me <laughs> yeah the crying robot in uh lisa's wedding mm. um there's also the uh, uh floyd uh, you were built for mopping and mopping you shall do. <laughs> I think that's in a tree Why? House. Why was I programmed to feel that's pain? That guy, yep. <laughs> anyway, um, I like this guy. I also love the, like, when Bart dumps the thing in and then he he just says, like, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was, like, error nine or something. Like, yeah. it's something, no. like, security, absurd. But, like, security, security, yeah, like, code sense. 304. It's, like, very realistic <laughs> to me. Anyway. Uh, do the hustle is a song that plays fucking stew. Yep. Uh, Saturday Night Fever and Happy Days are also referenced in that little chunk, which is the second time both of those things are referenced in the same scene, because the other time was in um, 
Oh, it's, it was in the, the Springfield Files. Yeah, Springfield Files yeah. when he puts the tape in. and it's, That's two episodes in a row. Yep. <laughs> That's wild. In, in that one, it's Sit on It, which is also Fawn's thing. In this one, it's A. Yeah. So, weird. Uh, Glenn Lurie, Glenn Ross, of course. Um, uh, the song that's played when the Investorettes jump through the thing at the uh, fair was New Attitude by Patti LaBelle. Um, his speech when he says, wherever there's a hungry family, you'll be there. That's from the Grapes of Wrath. Um, Don't Stop by Fleetwood Mac is the other one that they play <laughs> yeah. when they come up to the power plant. Uh, speaking of uh, the children of Q- of Cubert, of, uh, <laughs> of Cletus, uh, Cubert is one, which is, of course, a video game, but also Rumor and Scout, which are Bruce Willis and Demi Moore's children's names. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I thought Scout was a reference to, to Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, it could be the so that's but the rumor and sca- like rumors definitely yeah. like no one else named their child rumor because um, <laughs> it's weird, but also like in that era they I think they looked up at a a bunch of like trendy yeah. kids names and, and so I, they came uh, up with most of them I bet that Bruce Willis and Demi Moore named Scout Scout because of To Kill a Mockingbird that would make sense and I would imagine that The Simpsons just took it because it was trendy and they called Rumor Rumor because the movie Rumor has it. <laughs> Fleetwood Max Rumors. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's a better one. Uh, and then Whitey Ford is a real former baseball player. I did not know that. I mm-hmm. thought, it was, yeah. <laughs> thought it was made up. Hall of Famer Whitey Ford. <laughs> so that ties, that's a nice segue into favorite joke because that is 100% my favorite it's joke. so good. Is not just the like pleading for some sort of sanity, but the smash cut to him <laughs> unconscious <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> And pretzels just bouncing off Raining his corpse. Whitey whackers. Oh. His corpse. Well, sorry. <laughs> Unconscious body. He sev- those pretzels Put on severely your corpse handling gloves. Injured. <laughs> yeah. They injured Hall of Famer Whitey Ford. Um, apparently that's also kind of a reference to a real life incident at a baseball game. They were giving out promotional baseballs to people in a stadium and they, the fans got mad at a call at one point and they all started throwing their baseballs onto the field so they had to like cancel the game. And Let's give excitable fans yeah. projectiles. <laughs> well, that's what could go wrong? Pretzels too. That's <laughs> Ones that they just Beer. got so they don't have any attachment to yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's it. I thought you might say that, <laughs> being your favorite oh, joke. I thought you meant that's <laughs> he it. He suddenly got very scared. <laughs> that's it. I thought you might say that. Ah. <laughs> Some weird bet you have. Like at one point, he's going to say that's it. I got to go with the uh, with Marge sitting in her home office, looking at the cat poster and saying, "Hang in there, Kitty is right." And then looks copyright nineteen sixty eight. Determined or not, that cat's long dead by now. It's kind of a downer. <laughs> I think that's so funny. I thought it was so funny at the time uh-huh. that I used it in presentations <laughs> so much at the military museums when I worked sure. there. Um, we would do we would do a presentation on uh, posters and propaganda. A presentation I'm not very proud of. Um, but there would be a uh, there was a slide in the presentation that it was a hang in there kitty slide, mm-hmm. and I was like I was like that's a cute cat it's probably dead, uh, and I was I would always drop that mm-hmm. in there. Some people would laugh. Some people would ask me not to do it hmm. ever again. That's fair. But you know, I, I did. would laugh. I it, most of the kids laughed. <laughs> did you prepare this slide? It just was a coincidence that it was, it was a coincidence in? that oh, it was okay. in there already. An actual like yeah. hang in their kitty poster. Yeah. Oh, okay. and I was like, oh, hang in their baby. Yeah, hang in their baby. I was like, oh, that. that you said it, kitty. Oh, that's what she says. Okay, <laughs> that that cat's probably long dead, and I would say it like that. It's a classic poster. It it is. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was a different one. It was a cat hanging on a rope and swinging. Aww, that's cute. Yeah, it's dead. But <laughs> I mean, most cats are dead. Yeah, yeah, we can I think safely say that. Yeah, they've um, been around since the Egyptians. Yeah. <laughs> The Baroness Egyptians. <laughs> Don't get me started on the Egyptian cats, because you know, those cats think they're so great. <laughs> well, those two jokes I knew you would mention because oh. they're um, just objectively the funniest jokes. I mean, who can, so we who can argue yep, with that? Mm -hmm. um, also, the ones that have had the most longevity, I think, in mm. terms of being quoted outside of this is the a black episode. Day for baseball. <laughs> Whitey Whacker's really great. Um, so instead of picking a favorite, I just made a list of jokes that made me feel guilty for laughing at them. Um, <laughs> two friends die in a car crash, and they serve pretzels at his funeral. An open casket funeral as well. Um, a former POW turned professional has a laser sight gun pointed <laughs> at him. <laughs> uh, bodies fly through a window and nobody pays attention <laughs> that's really great um a small business van please? exploded small, oh yeah, yeah the van yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah what was the um, window one is that the the bodies flying when they're fighting yeah at yeah, the okay, end yeah. um a dejected woman says if you need some butter it's under my face Aww. poor marge that part's great i do like the way she says that yeah <laughs> it's under my face yeah i love her monologue there it's so hopeless and julie kavner is really great at mm -hmm. portraying marge's range of emotions when they give it to her yes. she's she's very good at that while also keeping the humor alive uh it's a tough thing it's a tough uh, rope to walk because she is uh she suppresses so much yeah but i think uh whenever they give her that moment you can really see it and it's yeah she's brilliant she's great yeah she's a very complex character yeah yeah and julie kavner kavner is just such a great performer in, mm -hmm. in general it's a shame she was not in more movies. I yeah. think. Anyway. Because she's super good in Awakenings, guys. And Click. She's actually really good in <laughs> Click. <laughs> uh, those are the two movies that I can think of her. Which has and Henry Winkler in it as sure well. Sure does. Yeah. Yeah. He and the hey. Sandman got uh, <laughs> got hooked up in The Water Boy. That's right. Yeah. Sandman. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's about it. Okay. Okay. Our next. Let's all get some pretzels. Okay. Our next episode is Mountain of Madness. Um, you Let's can use our worries with a big bowl of strawberry ice cream. Uh, where can they find us? Oh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bad Neighbors Pod. Also, you can email us on the ham. It's just mm. this is the stupid cats. It's the cats. The cats did it to me. I'm like that robot from the Planet Opportuniac. I got too much beer poured in me. <laughs> it wasn't beer. Anyway, uh, the hammock district on third at gmail.com. Numerical three. That's our email, and you can email us there. And also, you can subscribe to our Patreon. That's right. And you can get bonus stuff. Yeah. Including maybe some deleted scenes from this episode. I don't know. Eh, who knows? You don't think so? Ah, probably not. This, this is pretty this tight. This okay. This yeah. is a good one. Yeah. But other episodes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Janelle for joining us again. Thanks, fellas. On your maybe seventh appearance? I don't know. I don't like that. Six somewhere. or seven. Yeah, yeah, somewhere on there. Well done. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thanks. <laughs> Lucky seven. Um, bye. Keep watching the skis, everyone. That's the one. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Keep watching the skis. Gotta cut that last part. All right. <laughs>